This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. If you could turn in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Trying this mic out again so John's going to make it sound good. No pressure, John. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 23. It says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Is it going to work? Because I don't want to read on. It's not. better? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't want to get into my stride now. <laughs> so, Acts 4, reading from verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And why did the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus." And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Book of Acts is 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 a great book to read through, to regularly acquaint yourself with. You know, in it we see the birth of the church, the New Testament church, We see the Holy Spirit coming in the day of Pentecost and the church is born. But what is the book of Acts really about? What is it really about? You may say, yes, it is about the church. And that's true. But actually, why is the book of Acts where it is? You know, the book of Acts is right between the Gospels and the book of Romans or between the epistles that Paul is about to write. Now, if we didn't have the book of Acts, and you just went from the end of the Gospels and started in Romans, you'd be thinking to yourself, there's something missing here. You'd be maybe asking yourself questions, what is this thing called the church? Why is Paul writing to a church in Rome? Because Acts, or the Gospels finish with Jesus' death death in Jerusalem. And then Paul's writing a book to Rome, to a church. 
And that would be right to ask that question. How did this church make it this far? What happened in the meantime? What happened? There's thousands of miles of just of land between it. How did the church make it this far? And this is where the book of Acts comes into its own because it bridges from the gospels into the epistles and fills in the great story. Because a lot of the book of Acts is where, where, where Paul went into his epistles, the churches he visited, is all recorded in the book of Acts. And that's why Paul went on to, read, to write the epistles to the churches. So the book, of, the book of Acts, yes, is a story about the church. But the book of Acts, I want to suggest to you tonight, is the, is the continuation of the work of Jesus Christ from the Gospels. The book of Acts is the continuation of that work. We see him in the first chapter of Acts. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And the same author that wrote Luke is the same author that wrote Acts. Luke has written this to his friend Theophilus. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands. And commentators tell us that he began to do and teach. And what it gives here is the sense of continuation. Really what Luke is saying, in the first book I wrote about Jesus, his, his, birth, his birth, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And now I'm writing this sequel. And this work is continuing. Acts is a continuation of the work of Jesus Christ. This book bridges the gap from the Gospels into the epistles, but it continues with the same work that Jesus began. And actually, the, it, it begins way back in the Old Testament because what is happening here was promised in the Old Testament. We see that when we read chapter 2, prophet Joel it was promised that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And here we have a coming to pass. I'm suggesting tonight that this book is a continuation of the work of Jesus Christ. And we've come and we've read chapter 4 and these verses, verse 23 to 31. And the book of Acts, in that work, God, there's certain themes that run throughout Acts that are repeated over and over and over again. Do you ever remember when you were younger? Well, you still get them. The Urfix models. And Gary's eyes lit up there like a... You probably still have some, do you? <laughs> but you always remember the models and, and you brought them into the house and you opened them up and you, you know, it was all connected to these stems and you had the glue... Now, I was rubbish, I'm rubbish with my hands. You'll just have to ask Kathy that. And, but I even remember back then, I was trying to put them together. I had more glue in my hands than there was in the model. And if you didn't follow the pattern right, I used to find that I had put parts in places that shouldn't have been where they were. And you thought, that doesn't go, that doesn't fit. And you used to think, oh, that shouldn't be, I've done that wrong. But the glue was set, so it was ruined. 
And some of you might have been really, really good at them. And especially when I got the paint came out, it really went downhill. So it really went downhill. You know, you looked at the picture and you thought the, the camouflage and the planes or the boat and all that sort of stuff. But it never looked that when I got a paintbrush in my hand. It's probably the same in the house as well, but we'll not go into that. But Acts gives us a picture, a, pot, a pattern, a model for the church. Boy, James Montgomery Boyce says that this is the model to the church, especially these early chapters where Luke lays down a model for the church of Jesus Christ. John, John Stott said that we see the apostles dealing here in the church and we see how they set up the model, the pattern. And it's laid down in Acts, especially these early chapters. And I want to just draw some things out of these verses that we have read to just highlight some of the themes that run throughout Acts. And yes, to say to ourselves, some of the themes that should be seen within the church of Jesus Christ. Just a bit of background to the, to the, what, the verses we've read. Just before this, Peter and John have been brought before the Pharisees for the simply preaching the gospel and for healing a, a, a lame man at the beautiful gate. This is the reason that they're brought before the Pharisees, before the council, and they've been threatened. And this is the first part of persecution to the church from the birth of the church. And they've been threatened and they've been said not to speak in that name or teach in that name. And Peter and John are bold. And it says, listen, you say what you want, but we're going to preach the name of Jesus Christ. So they've been released after this persecution, after being threatened, and it says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, I don't want us to miss just the simple things. It says they went to their friends. That just doesn't mean they went around and visited. They went to the church. They went to their fellow church members. They had friends. And that's who we are. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And they went to their friends. They went to their own people. They went to their own kind. Men and women who were born again of the Spirit of God. But not only were they just their friends, they were people of like mind and like purpose. These just weren't there to encourage them for the sake of it but they were people who thought like them and they were people who had the same purpose. They wanted the name of Jesus Christ to be promoted and preached throughout the world. And this speaks to us of one of the, one of the main themes in the book of Acts, and that's the theme of unity. They went to their friends. If you look just in the early part of Acts, you will many as a time come across they were with one accord. Acts 1, 12 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Selet and Judas the son of James. 
all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brother. They were together in unity and together in one accord. The disciples, the, the women, and the brothers, they were together in one accord. They were in unity. They were in unity of purpose. They were in unity of mind. They were in unity of fellowship. Chapter 2 starts, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And we could just read on it, they were all in the same house. But it goes deeper than that. They were all together again in unity of purpose, in unity of mind, in unity of fellowship. Again, in chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You read these, verse, these chapters for yourself and you see the amount of times they were together. They were in fellowship. They were of one accord. And this is the friend's that, that, that these Peter and John have come to. When they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. This is another theme that runs throughout the book of Acts. And many of the time we, put, we pull out individual stories and we don't connect them. But this is another theme that runs throughout the book of Acts. And that's the theme of prayer. They met together with their friends and they prayed. They had unity of purpose, unity of mind, unity of fellowship, and unity of prayer. These disciples, at the drop of a hat, would pray. These believers would drop to their knees all of the time. Read through it, Acts, and you'll see that prayer is a major part of the early church's life. Why did they drop the prayer? Well, it's one of the other themes from a negative point of view in Acts. It's the theme of persecution. Because Peter and John had just come back, the chief priests had warned them, had threatened them, and what did they do when they heard it? They prayed. There's nothing like praying when there's persecution. And you have maybe been through something, or going through something, or will go through something. What is the advice the Bible gives us? Is to pray. Is to pray and seek the face of God. When that reported, when they reported the chief priests, they lifted their voices. And you notice again, the theme of unity comes out again. They lifted their voices. Now, commentators say, this may have been one person who prayed 
but it was a prayer of unity, which everyone was in agreement with. They were in unity in prayer. This is why it's such an important picture and acts of the early church, because it speaks to us today. I've titled the message tonight, Do I Really Look Like That? You know, you sort of, you see an old picture of yourself. You think, did I really, did I, did I really have my hair like that? I always remember Johnny having a moustache, and I remember him saying one time, he says, did I really have that moustache? <laughs> if you want pictures, talk to Margaret. But you look back at old pictures, did I really look like that? And you cringe a little, and you think, did I wear a shirt like that? Did I really wear that dress? Not, not that I didn't wear that dress, you wore it. You know what I mean by that? But you do, you ask yourself, did I really do that? And I'm asking the question tonight in the light of the early church, do we really look like that? Are we in unity? Are we in unity of fellowship? Are we in unity of purpose? Are we in unity of mind? Are we of unity in prayer? Do we pray for one another? And this is why it, it, it reflects on us. That's why um, old commentators say it's, it's a model of the early church, but it's a model for today's church. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, now, our, our Greek lecturer and colleagues pointed this out, and, and it just changes the whole meaning of this prayer that they prayed. Because I'd never looked at it this way, and he, he says, why did they begin, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them? And it spoke to me as he just started to unpack it, because he, the Greek word is a word called despotes, D-E-S-P-O-S-T-E-S. -E -E you say that's where we get the word despot from. Now, the word despot today has more of a negative connotation. We think of um, North Korea, and we would class him as a despot. We think of Saddam Hussein when he ruled Iraq as a despot. Colonel Gaddafi when he ruled was a despot. And it has that negative connotation. But what it means is someone who has absolute power and authority in everything. Absolute power and authority over everything, in everything, and about everything. Now you can see as well as I, when, when he spoke that, that light bulb moment come on in my mind, and these disciples prayed, Sovereign Lord, you who rule and reign over everything, in everything. That changes the whole prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea. And he's speaking about the Lord and this sovereign Lord as the creator. And commentators tell us, why they, they speak of him as creator is because it is assumed that the creator has greater power than, his, than the creation. 
He has a greater authority than the creation because he is the sovereign Lord. And I think that's a wonderful prayer and a wonderful beginning to prayer. And it makes us see that God is in control of everything. Now we've got to think of the, 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 the background here. This is in the face of persecution. And they lifted their voices and said, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. That's encouraging. And it's interesting what they prayed. They didn't pray that he would take away the persecution. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I would probably be praying, Lord, will you take this away from me? Lord, I don't want to go through this. Lord, these people are threatening us, persecuting us. Now, there are certain things that we should, we should pray that the Lord will deliver us from. But again, the context here is in the, in, in the Word of God. They're being threatened to stop the witness of the Word of God. So in that, we should pray, Lord, never let that be taken away. Lord, make us bold. And when you see here that they quote Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And there's a certain amount of cynicism in this. It's laughable when you think, here is the sovereign Lord who reigns and rules. And then he asks the question, well, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Because of the vanity. Because there's no way that they can come against the Lord and his anointed. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And when you take it in the light of sovereign Lord, these people have no chance. But the heart of man is exceedingly wicked. The heart of man is prideful and arrogant. And he thinks he rules and he reigns in his own kingdom. He thinks he's his own king, but he's not. The Lord is. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. But look what it says in verse 28 to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That's the sovereign Lord. It looked like when Jesus died on the cross, that was the end of it all. But that was just the beginning of it. In the mind of a sovereign Lord, with his own plan and his own will, he's continuing his work. It looked like the work had finished when Jesus died. But Luke's telling us this work continues because it is the will of God. It is the plan of God. And in our lives, there's things come into our lives, persecutions, times of trial, 
tough times, hard times. But we, like the disciples here, can lift our voices and say, Sovereign Lord, you are in control. You have the reign and you have the rule. And it is your plan. I'm not talking about things that maybe sinful things that we've got ourselves into trouble. But even now, let's go to the Lord and ask him to sort it for us. But just as we're walking with the Lord and things come our way, we can say, Lord, you are sovereign. Because you have said whatever your hand and your plan has predestined to take place. This encourages me. This gives me confidence that God is in control of everything. We think of the verses in Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purposes. That verse is only true in the light of a sovereign Lord who reigns and rules over everything. And we recognize that if he reigns and rules in our lives, whether it's a mountaintop or a folly experience, he is there with us. And he has plans and he has a work to perform in our lives. And yes, some of us have had hard things in our lives. And we have had the why questions and the why moments. But we look to God and say, Lord, you know best. I was speaking to a lady in, 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 in the college the other day, and, and the way she put it, she, she had a hard time, her son, at the age of 16, and he just walked out of the house and more or less disowned him. She hadn't spoke to him in nearly a year. And she just got on her knees. She says, Lord, why, why, why? And she came to the place, she said, God, you're the boss. You know best. You know what to do. And that's the way she put it to me. She says, Lord, you're the boss. Did it hurt? Yes. Was it tough? Yes. But the Lord is working. Has it been fully rectified yet? No. But the Lord is working. And she encouraged me as she just spoke about it. She said, Lord, you're the boss. You know what you're doing. And this is encouraging for us to know that where we are tonight, God is in control. He's been never out of control. He's never been surprised. He's never said, I didn't see that coming. He says, I am in control. Let that sink in tonight. That God is in control of your life and every situation in your life. And the world may come against you. Enemies will come against you. But why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? It's laughable that they would come against God. And what did they pray for? Boldness. Boldness. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Commentators tell us when they use that word sovereign, you have to 
include the correlating word of servant, where it means sovereign, master. But it's the word, the opposite of that word master is slave. So when they said master, they were really saying we're servants. And we see that clearly. He talked about who through the mouth of our father David, your servant. And in verse 29, grant to your servants. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. The church recognized that God was in control and they were servants. And we need to recognize tonight that God is in control and we are servants. And he leads and he guides and he takes us wherever he is. He wants us to be. But what we need to pray in the midst of that is Lord, grant us to be bold for your word, for the gospel, for the furtherance of your plan, for the, thir- thir- excuse me, for the furtherance of your will and of your way. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. These disciples didn't run, but they recognized they needed the Lord. And that's one of the other great themes in Acts, and that's the Holy Spirit. All of these things, the unity of purpose, of mind, of fellowship, servanthood, None of it's possible without the Holy Spirit. We have read countless times Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, how the Spirit filled them. And it's no different today. They need, we need the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. You're right. You can't. And I can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And that's why these 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 disciples prayed, the church prayed, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They recognized where their strength came from. They recognized who to ask. They asked the master. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed throughout the name of your holy servant. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm not just talking for a a touch. I'm not talking about for an experience. I'm not talking about for feeling, but for action. And this is why the Holy Spirit touched them. This is why their prayer was answered. And look what they did. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is a church who prayed. This is a church whose prayer was answered. And this is a church who answered with boldness. They acted upon the anointing of the Spirit. And 
maybe I'm wrong to say this. And I think within the church, and maybe to a large degree, Pentecostal churches, so many times we seek an experience, but we don't do anything with that experience. We don't go anywhere with that experience. We just, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me. But God wants us to take that filling of the Holy Spirit and go and do something with it. And that is to speak his word, the gospel, the hope of man. That's why we're anointed. If you look at the book of Acts, they were never just filled with the Spirit for the sake of a filling. The Holy Spirit was filled, filled them to act upon. He empowered them to take the, the, the Word of God and to preach the Word of God. We said at the start, the, act, the book of Acts is about a, a continuing work of Jesus Christ. And we need the Holy Spirit to continue that work. It's not about a feeling. It's not about just touch me, Lord. What if the Lord turned around and said to us, Lord, touch me. Well, what are you going to do when I touch you? What are you going to do with it? Many's a time we actually maybe wouldn't pray that prayer. What do you mean I have to do something? Well, what are you asking to be filled for? If you think about the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Commentators said it would be better called the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his spirit through his apostles. Or they could call it the Acts of Jesus Christ or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. How it got its name, we're not too sure. But it's the continuing work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still at work today. Do you believe he's still at work today? Do you believe it's a continuing work? What I wanted to do tonight, and I don't want to challenge us with, we've got to do more. But I want to challenge us tonight to look up and see God as he truly is as the sovereign Lord who reigns and rules in everything. In your calling that he has called you to in your life, he will take you through it. He will anoint you with it, with the Holy Spirit, and you will be able to perform it. But we have to recognize in everything that he is the sovereign Lord then we, that puts us in our rightful place as servants. We serve him. He is the master. We are his servants. And when we recognize that, we pray and we say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit to do it. I believe that's the prairie lancer. When we've seen him, for who he is, when we've seen ourselves for who we are, and then we see our great need to fulfill his will, 
and his continued work. And we say, Lord, give us the power to do it. Give us the power to carry out your will. Will persecution come? Yes, definitely. Will opposition come? Yes, definitely. But is he the Lord? Is he the master? Are you the servant? When did the servant ever turn around and say, I'm not going to serve you because there's persecution involved. The master spoke and the servant went. Maybe that's not what you want to hear tonight. But look at these disciples. Look at these, this church in unity of one accord in purpose, in mind, in fellowship, in desire to please the Lord. What do we need tonight to do it? We need the Holy Spirit. We can't pray tonight, Lord, just give us a, give us a fresh infilling. Touch us, Lord. Our prayer should be tonight, Lord, touch us with purpose. Touch us for purpose. To preach your gospel, to share your word, to go to a lost and dying world and tell them about Jesus Christ. Lord, they don't want to listen. The master says, tell them. Lord, they're persecuting me. Master says, pray for boldness. And then continue telling them. I called the message, as I said. Do I really look like that? Because I believe this, just in this small passage, gives us an example of what the church should look like. This is the model. A church in unity of fellowship. A church in unity of mind. A church in unity of purpose. A church who knows their God. A church who serves their God and a church who is empowered by their God. But I just want to challenge you tonight to look afresh at God, to look afresh at the sovereign Lord and realize who he really is. I want a, fr I want a fresh glimpse tonight. I believe you want a fresh glimpse tonight. We sang the song tonight, You Are Amazing. More than amazing. Forever our God, you're more than enough. You are amazing. Johnny, I think, said, he sees he's amazing, but it's only a small, small drop. I want to see more of God. But it's not for selfish reasons. But it's so that we can take it to a lost and dying world and preach his gospel with boldness. Lord, you are amazing. Let's pray. Lord, your word tells us tonight that you are the sovereign Lord. Lord, the whole of heaven, earth, 
and hell could turn against you tonight and it would be absolute vanity because you rule and you reign over it all. It would be laughable for them all to come against you. Lord, the scriptures say, the word went out, who is like unto our God? And the answer comes back, there is no one. Lord, we tell you tonight that there is no one like you. You are the sovereign Lord who reigns and rules. You have ordained your plan. You have ordained your will. And you know what, Lord? It will be done. Not might be done. There will be no changes to it. There will be no adjustments. Your plan and your will will be done. Lord, that is the God that we serve tonight. You are the God that we serve tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds afresh to behold our God. Lord, your church, we've got to be honest today, is weak because it has lost sight of you. And Lord, I would pray for this church tonight, for all of us, Lord, that, Lord, that you would revision us, that we would see you afresh. We would see who you really are. And Lord, we pray that you would change our hearts and our spirits, Lord, and that, Lord, that we would be bold for your word's sake. Lord, you have something to say, and you want to say it through your church. Lord, in the, the early days of the church, you anointed them by your Holy Spirit, and they spoke. They acted. They went forward, and you answered. Lord, help us to be bold for your word tonight. But Lord, we recognize tonight, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Lord, we can have great intentions we can work ourselves up. We can have our own plans and say, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray and ask that you would empower us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. But Lord, we don't want the Holy Spirit if we're just going to hoard him up in our own lives. Lord, give us the Holy Spirit to go forth to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Lord, the church went from an upper room to the whole world in the space of about 30 years. The unknown world went as far as Rome. And Lord, you went to there. Lord, we pray and ask for your Holy Spirit. We pray and ask, Lord, that we would be people of action and people who want to bring glory and honor to you, our God. Lord, touch us tonight. We need you, Lord. We acknowledge it tonight, Lord. We can't do anything of ourselves. But Lord, you have promised your spirit. So we ask for your Holy Spirit. 
and we give you the glory, and we give you the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.